Thank you for downloading Fearless in Devotion, a podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Christ on all, you're listening to Fearless in Devotion, the Wrexham AFC podcast sponsored by The Fat Boar. Well then, what a week. We've got a lot to talk about. An incredible week off the pitch for the club and for the town. A rather more forgettable week on it. We'll get to that later. Let's keep it more positive to start with. Uh, We've been speaking with some of the people who can tell us most about Ryan and Rob's fantastic visit this week with special conversations with Wayne Jones, landlord of the turf, of course, as everyone already knows. And though she may no longer be on the podcast intro, we can't get enough of her clearly, Maxine Hughes, Ryan Robb's Welsh translator, who's been with them all week. But first of all, what a week it's been, Liam. What, what, what's your thoughts after that week? More for the town and the club rather than on the pitch. Yeah, it's been pretty special, to be honest. I mean, it's just, it's just the amount of buzz that's been around the place um, you only had to drive past the turf and I forget if it was Thursday or Friday evening, just the masses and masses of people out there um, trying to look for them. But um, yeah, well, at one stage I thought it was going to be a bit weird because I thought it might detract from the football. But I think it was when I saw how much it meant to um, Rob and Ryan when they actually walked onto the race course pitch, you could tell it was going to be a, a bit of a special occasion, really. It's just good to see them sort of come good and all the promises they made. Because at the time when they said, oh, we're going to come and have pints with people in the pub, blah, blah. It just seemed a very far-fetched kind of idea that people of that magnitude would be able to just to have randomly have a pint in the turf or whatever around town. It just seems so far removed and detached from reality. So it was a very carefully coordinated um, visit, a huge charm offensive, but with foundation. Um and yeah, it's, it's everybody's buzzing, aren't they? Everybody's walking ten feet tall. It's what, what everybody's talking about. The only thing is, um, it's kind of almost over, not overshadowed, but it's allowed us to forget a pretty dreadful display, which I'm sure we'll come to. Tim, we've been positive. Enough of that. Uh, Andy, oh, yeah, it was great display up up the Parkinson. There you go, Andy. Uh, obviously, me and you. Uh, not in the town itself, but of, you know, you were sat near me in the Yale stand, sorry, the Wrexham Lager stand for um, the game. And it was pretty good, wasn't it? The, the, the match day experience, if you want to put it that way, was excellent. I think um, someone said it meant a lot to Ryan and Rob. I think also it meant a lot to young people in Wrexham. The amount of kids who were just sort of hanging about trying to trying to catch a glimpse or trying to get a trying to get a, a photo or, or something signed, you know, and, and a lot of times they got that. So I think this has real fired up the next generation of Wrexham fans. And I think that is that is really important for the town and the surrounding area. Um, I thought the game on Saturday, I thought, you know, it looked like they were pleased. They were happy to be there. Everything was set up for them. You know, it was a good atmosphere at the start of the game. It was good we scored so early. So, you know, that built a little bit. And, you know, I just I just think that they would, would have been proud of of what they saw there and would have thought that they've done the right thing. But, you know, there's six there's nine thousand eight hundred people there. There could have been more. Build another stand, you'll get another couple of three thousand in. This club is a going concern again, and that's great to see. Yeah, I think initially when they said they wanted to see full houses every week. I think, I don't know, maybe in the back of my mind, I was thinking, yeah, that's a good target to aim for. Maybe we'll add one or two, 3,000 onto what we get now. But, you know, we're getting full houses easily. So that's obviously great to see, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, it's what we've all been craving for ages. You know, prior to this, we're like, oh, do you remember when there's 8,500 for Salford when we annihilated them on Boxing Day, what, in 2018? And ever since then, it's been like, well... You know, we keep tipping up. The performances haven't really been great. The positions in the table haven't been great, but we still keep coming back and coming back. Um, and so to have, for this now to be the new norm, you know, not to sort of quote a, a lockdown phrase, but the new norm of eight, 9,000 regular crowds. You know, somebody, I think Rich Purton, my mate on Twitter said, before we've had 40,000 fans in over the, the home games of what we've had so far this season, which is 
ridiculous for for pretty much most clubs outside the championship, I would say. And it was good to see Rex the Dragon back, wasn't it? Some yeah, of the kids. He must have been over his um over his case of COVID or whatever it was that had uh, kept him away. He was a bit over enthusiastic though. He was getting very excitable, so happy to be out of his cave. I could tell it was busy though because um, there's a few seats just below us that have been empty for most matches, and there was uh, two blokes sat there. Uh, didn't realise until the second half that it was Gary Bennett. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a great moment, wasn't it? When people saw him. Well, well, it, yeah. The thing was though, we, that was at the opposite end to us. So first half he was sat with us, didn't realise it was him. Second half, the buzz, the massive buzz over the other side, and I could hear Gary Bennett chants, go, oh, that must be Gary, Gary Bennett. My mate who doesn't go to many matches says, Gary Bennett, that was the name on the guy's credit card sat next to me. Um, he said, is he Scouse by any chance? Yes. It's bl- bloody Gary Bennett and none of us realised. Well, hang on, it- hang on. Who's reading his credit card? Is your <laughs> yeah, mate? I've got, got a lot of questions about this anecdote. <laughs> Or is, is Gary Bennett flaunting who he is? Look at me, lads. I'm just going to flat. Well, flat, well I flat. thought he was taking the piss. I mean, they yeah, they're not as regular fans. I mean, they've got season tickets now, but they haven't been going for as long as as we have. Um, so I thought they were just taking the piss and they're like, oh, yeah, oh, Gary Bennett. Yeah, yeah, he was sat next to us. But no, apparently he was. And also he decided to piss off to the other side second half. I saw him when he was on the other side because I could see him because he, he was sat with Pete Jones. It was him, Pete Jones, Carl Conley. I think it might have been Andy Pollard who was doing the, the sort of comparing event in the Myers Grimm before. And um, he got up to go, I think, I can't remember what part of the game it was, probably about the 70th minute. And he got up, stood as if to go out towards the concourse and people caught sight of him and he was loving it. He was like just raising the roof for everybody, clapping. It's just that weird though, because like a lot of people know who he is, but then you've got uh, maybe 40% of that crowd, maybe a bit more that maybe don't know who he is. So it's kind of like a weird position to be in at the moment. You thought we were boring bastards, though, clearly, because he had to go and sit next to Pete. Yeah, he's fed up to sit next to you. <laughs> but you're still welcome to come on, Pete, if you want to. <laughs> anyway, on that note, uh, time to bring you the first of the interviews that we've conducted about Rob and Ryan's special visit this week. Uh, before Wednesday's press conference and fan forum, Ryan and Rob spent an evening at the turf with landlord Wayne and many others. Tim spoke with Wayne to hear all the details. Okay, mate. Um, I think I've known you since you were a, a floppy-haired teenager collecting glasses on behalf of Irish Steve and whatnot back in the day, and you've risen up through the ranks to be the king of the turf. So, <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Wayne Jones. Um, it's been some week for you, hasn't it? Just give us a, a quick flavour of how you're feeling. You've just touched on it before we've started recording, but how are you feeling right now? Uh, yeah, morning, Tim. I'm absolutely shattered, if I'm honest. Um <laughs> It's been a bit of a whirlwind week, you know, very, um, very nice week, but also a very tiring week and, and an exhausting week. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, the pros certainly outweigh the, the cons and, you know, the, the publicity that the football club, first and foremost, has received uh, is obviously very important and something I'm very keen to, to help with. Uh, and then on the back of that, obviously, I'm a lot, you know, a local little businessman and, and the pub has also received... A lot of attention. So, uh, as a whole, um, like I say, it's been a very tiring week, but it's been a very positive week. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm guessing because of uh, of the turf playing a fairly prominent role in, in the documentary and so on and so forth. I'm guessing that you would have had a, a, a genuine inkling, or, or at least a, a heads up on on their visit. So I'm guessing you kind of knew what the plan was and when they were coming. So just just take us through what role you've had in it all because obviously everybody knows what's been going on with with the visit we'll come to that shortly with, with, with them coming in on uh, on wednesday but obviously the turf is kind of like it's kind of been a bit of a production crew kind of uh lay low kind of ground isn't it everybody's been going in and out in and out like non-stop um so has that been quite not not intrusive is the wrong word but has that been quite sort of over overwhelming at times for you 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, first and foremost, you know, I'm just a normal local lad who runs a pub. You know, that's the be-all and end-all of it all. Um, obviously, we've been helping out with the, as have yourself, with the um, documentary, uh, the main documentary, I'll call it, um, with uh, Milos and Anna and various other people and John over the last year. So, yeah, we were sort of aware that they were coming, not hugely in advance of everybody else, but just slightly so, because obviously they wanted to use the, they wanted to call in and see us. And and then on Thursday, we had, um, like you say, a huge production, which was actually nothing to do with the documentary. It was just, um, it's it was to help promote the, well, it was to, it was, it was for the main commercial for the, the promotional video, let's say, for the for the documentary to go worldwide. So this is obviously how they sell it. Welcome to Wrexham, et cetera, et cetera. So we had that on the Thursday. So the, if, if Ryan and Rob, as nice as their visit was, and it really was a really wonderful visit, if they, if, if they would have come and gone on the Wednesday, then it would have gone, sort of got back to normal. There would have been a bit of a hoorah, hoorah around town. But on Thursday, we had... Um, we had obviously 60 crew turning up to do a, to film a documentary, which was insane. So obviously people were putting two and two together and then seeing little images of not Danny DeVito coming into the pub and thinking that, um, thinking that they were here. So the hardest part for me, I'll be honest, the hardest part for me was seeing people stood outside in the rain and the cold. Um, yeah. It just wasn't nice. You know, I was going out and trying to make them coffees and give them cans of pop and things. I just, and I was saying to them, that they're not here. This was on the Thursday. And then an hour later, Rob walks on the corner, makes me look like an absolute mug, which wasn't planned. So, um, so yeah, intrusive is the wrong word because, you know, we've welcomed it and I've loved it. I'll be, I'll be honest, I've absolutely loved it. Um, you know, the, the, the people that come with the film crew, all 60 of them, every single one of them was absolutely lovely, you know, and then made some good friends and the, and the actors and the extras and things like that. Really, you know, it was, it was, it was really sort of, um, a sight to behold, you know, to seeing what goes into such a production, seeing what goes into even just a small two, three minute, which is imagine what it'll all, it'll be, you know, a yeah. commercial effectively. So you dread to think what goes on in one of these multi-million pound, billion pound movies. But, yeah. um, yeah, it's been intuitive, not the right word, because I've really, I've really embraced it and really enjoyed it and really tried to make them feel as welcome as I can. Um, um, but yeah, like I say, it's been an exhausting week, but, but, but one I wouldn't have changed. Are you uh, thinking of swapping the turf for a career in Hollywood then? All this, I saw you with a clapperboard. And I, did, I mean, are, you na- are you natural at acting or is this, is this a hidden talent you didn't know? Absolutely, absolutely not. Funny story. They, they, when they got in touch, they said, listen, can we, can we close the pub on Thursday and Friday originally? And I said, well, there's no way on earth I'm closing on a Friday because, uh, you know, we're not just a football pub. The football's only a very small percentage of our turnover. So on a Friday, we're a very, very busy pub. So that was never going to happen. So we crammed everything onto Thursday. Um, and that was what they originally asked for. They said, can we just have it for the Thursday? Uh, no problem. And then when they rocked up on the Thursday morning, they said, oh, you're in hair and makeup at 11 o'clock. And I nearly chopped. They said, I'm in what, at 11 o'clock? Um, and then I was given a line, which you'll say, you know, weirdly, I sound a bit stupid saying this, but I can't actually say too much. But when the documentary comes out, I was given a line and it took me about 47 cuts because I couldn't even fucking get the line right. And I was... Um, I, I was spilling beer and I was, oh, I don't know, it was all over the shop. And I finally done that. And then about five hours later, Rob walked in and said, come on, we want you in this scene. So that was, and I said, oh, I haven't got to say anything, have I? And he said, no, 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 just stand there, pretend you're crushing ice. So, um, yeah, it was, it was weird, but I have no plans to, uh, I think we'll one step at a time. I think we'll start with Emmerdale and we'll work our way up. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not, so no plans to move Hollywood. <laughs> be, a, be a dingle extra first and foremost, I think. I wouldn't mind working in Emmerdale. We've seen the women in Emmerdale, crikey. Yeah, th- things have changed, haven't they, over the last few years? It's not, not what it used to be. It's not much anymore, no. <laughs> so you take me through the initial visit with um, our two friends. I mean... It, it's looking back when when it was all announced. They said, "Oh, we plan doing this. We plan on doing that. We plan on having a couple of pints in the turf." I'll be honest with you. At that time, when they said it, it's like it sounds like such pie in the sky. It's like, mm-hmm. is that really conceivable for a Hollywood A-lister and a hugely, hugely respected sitcom starlet creator, whatever you want to call him? Let's just call him the Hollywood pair. You know, yeah, this seemed almost inconceivable that they would be able to just kind of rock up into the turf and have pints obviously that that was fairly well coordinated and carefully planned but just take us through your initial meeting with them and um i think everybody's you know come to the conclusion that they are very fairly down to earth guys but surely you must have got a little bit 
bit bit gooey eyed when they walked in. <laughs> well, just tell us about that first contact you had. Um, yeah, well, just uh, just touching on what you said then. I mean, when the, it was announced who it was, and they, they sort of said, "Oh, listen, we're going to have pints with the fans, etc." They didn't actually mention the turf, but they said I had pints and then people put two and two together and presumed they would walk in here. But um, I was getting phone calls that week a year ago going, oh, you're going to get to meet Ryan Reynolds. I said, behave. I mean, come on, crikey, they'll just they'll be in a bubble. They'll be in the centenary club or whatever, you know, the, the Bamford suites. And that's fine with me. I'm, you know, I'm just absolutely fine with that. No problem. Uh, but then to get the call a couple of days ago before they arrived and sort of say, oh, listen, they want to come and say hello and introduce themselves to you and have two or three hours and have some drinks. Yeah, that was a bit of a surreal moment. I, I shouted up to, I couldn't tell anybody about my wife, so I shouted up the stairs and said, oh, you need to get your hair done because you're meeting Ryan Reynolds in a few days' time. She nearly fell down the stairs and fainted. Um, but no, listen, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit of a strange when they, they walked in, walked straight over, shot my hands, both said, nice to finally meet you, Wayne, which blew me away that they knew my name for more than anything. Um, and I, I was actually, I was actually, um, my wife was worried because my wife is, for anybody that knows, is the quietest person, shy, gets sort of overawed by anything. She was worried that she was faint, would faint and in the end was practically holding me up. So, um, no, it was nice. It was, the, like I said, like you just touched on it there and people say, oh, what are they like? That's all I've been asked. Um, and they are, they, you know, they, everything you read about them and you see about them and you expect them to be, they're exactly, they're exactly that. You know, they, they spent 20 minutes talking to my son about university and right. it was just, um, just it, it, as natural as it could be to meet Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. It, it, it really was just, you know, people will go as a bit blase, but um, they, 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 you know, everybody in the pub that spoke to them when they left said exactly the same thing. They were just, you know, and I think I think you've seen Tim throughout the last couple of days that, you know, that everything they've done, they've been hmm. real with it, I guess. Um, yeah. So yeah, they're very nice, and you know, they they were they congratulated us on little bits that we do, tiny bits compared to Ryan that we do for local charities and things, which was very very nice and. And things like that. So, but no, just I mean, humbling and nice, and um, you know, it's um, it was a real pleasure. But uh, I mean, I couldn't live their lifestyle. I'll be honest. I, I was watching them, and they looked even on day one, they looked shattered. Ryan, there was a picture. I think you've put it up of him. I think he was yawning at the, one of the celebrations. <laughs> um, and, and I thought to myself, I looked at that picture yesterday, and I thought, I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised because they, they get pulled from pillar to post, and they have a huge entourage of about. 30 people, security detail, you know, all, all, all nice people, but, you know, people that are just in their ears constantly telling them, go here, go there, you got this, you got that. Nice. Listen, I mean, it's a bit, I would imagine it'd be lovely to have the money, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't cope with, yeah. I couldn't cope so, with that. So with that, their entourage, I mean, it's, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like a very well-oiled machine and obviously they've got a fair, a fair few kind of trusted aides there, for want of a better word. They, they, they brought people with them that they know and they trust and, and they can rely on. That kind of faded into the background, I think. I think that was that was very well done because it was all very much about them and and the others that that were close by, keeping an eye on. Like you said, that there was there was direction on occasion. Go and see that person. Go and see this person. Um, but there was no problems for them doing that. Going back to 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 the to the pub, I'm not going to delve into 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 asking all about the private conversations of which I'm sure there there are many, and and that's between you and them and everybody else. Was, was there any conversations that you thought, you know, oh, that that's quite quite a funny story? Did they have any more sort of anti-Chester vibes? <laughs> was, 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 there, was there anything in there where I'm, I'm sure like that, that the party line is, and I think Rob said yesterday when they left, they said, they said that we are here for, we're in it for the long haul, which is, a, it's a massive reassurance to everybody. I know it's only just begun this tale, this this crazy story, but it's still reassuring for them to say that. Was that, was that, evident and obvious throughout the, the conversations that you had that, 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 that this isn't just a flying visit. It was very much, like you said, it, it was a full-on intense charm offensive for four or five days for the best part of it. That's essentially what it was. They were pressing the flesh, seeing the right people, going to the right places, saying the right things. I suppose the question is, you know, looking back at it, is, was there anything where you think, you know what, it's, it's it's just crazy that they're here and they're just having, like you said, a, a, a general conversation with with right-thinking fans, regular fans. Was there anything where they thought, you know what, I can't believe that we've just had this conversation. They've said things about, have they said anything about the club which which made you go, oh my God, this, this is so, this has blown my mind even further than what I imagined. 
Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be truthfully honest, and though, that I think the right person for you to speak to uh, would be Sean Winter, because Wince, as we know him, um, yeah. um, <laughs> I wouldn't say it was sort of um, vocal. <laughs> I wouldn't say it was sort of, I love Wince. I wouldn't say he was sort of, you know, but Wince, Wince is, wears his hat on his sleeve, and, and a couple of questions were asked there, and he he, uh, he he didn't have any qualms in sort of telling them what he thought, what because the, they asked the questions. But from yeah. my point of view, from my point of view, and as boring as it is for your podcast at the moment, not really. Well, I, I mean, I asked them if they understood how much happiness and how much joy and how much hope, I suppose the word would be, that they've brought to a fan base that was starting to get a little bit, you know, um, unsettled, shall we say? Um, and they they basically just said they don't see it as a I said is it a burden to you and they said that they certainly don't see it as a burden they just see it as a huge responsibility and they didn't quite although they were trying and I think they've alluded to it in other interviews that they didn't quite um, sort of grasp or realise what um, how important the club was to the town and the community um, but they see it as a huge responsibility and 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 that they're here certainly here for the long haul uh, and they won't stop they both alluded to the fact that they're both winners. Um, and, and that's what every Wrexham fan wants to do is win. So um, it was a, maybe it was a charm offensive. I'm not sure, but um, no, they, they didn't. Um, they didn't slit. They didn't slit our neighbours, and they didn't. Um, like I say, I, 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 my conversation was weird because my conversation was they were asking about how long we've been at the pub and how long um, we supported. I, I supported Wrexham, and uh, like I said, they were talking to my lad about his courses in university. It was just it was more of a sort of a, a personal conversation than anything, but. No, I certainly think James Simmons and Sean Winter would. Um, there was some question, and, and Johnny Taylor. There were some questions there that that were asked that um, me and Scoop sort of looked at each other and went, "Oh, crikey, that's a uh, you know." But you know, they, these these are big, big fans, and um, they, they you know they they're passionate about Wrexham. Um, so they, it'd be interesting to get them guys on because they they'll have some tales to tell you. Um, yeah. But no, from our point of view, they they were just. Um, I know it's boring, but from our point of view, they were just. Uh, they were just natural, as natural as you can be, I guess. They were just, they were just natural conversations. Did they give you an idea then of, of what was going to happen with the sort of, I think you, you mentioned before about the uh, the trailer, that's that's the global thing and the sort of, uh, the it's always sunny kind of fake faux <laughs> cast. <laughs> I mean, I was I, I, I came for a little little wander down and I saw the, the, the Vita lookalike walk in. I was laughing my head off because it couldn't have been it. <laughs> It couldn't have been anything like. You know what? Actually, actually, when I seen the, when I seen the picture on Twitter, I thought, actually, yeah. that's quite it looks quite impressive because the closer you got to him, the less he looked like Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's funny as hell. Um, Irish guy, really nice guy. I think his name was Mark. Uh, oh Irish right, guy. It is the Irish guy. Yeah, because he, oh yeah, he's definitely Irish. Yeah, I, I, I think somebody, um, I think somebody yeah. on one of the social media sites uh, put two and two together and realised it was. I, I, well, I, but I presume it was his. Yeah. The guy that they use in Ireland when they do surely um, always okay. yeah. yeah. I was going to say he's the, he's the same guy that, that filled in over there. Um, yeah. the right. Okay. Got you. Uh, um, just give us an idea of in terms of the, the whole production thing and the, um, the the promotion, the promotional trailer. Did that just become part of the norm? The more the days went on for you in the turf, like with people being there and coming and going, did that just <laughs> you know literally just become part of the background? For X amount of days, and all of a sudden, it, it doesn't. It, it's no longer a pub. It's this production hub for like forty-eight hours. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, it, it was. Do you know what? I really enjoyed Thursday just because I was sort of mesmerised by it all to see what goes into it. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was strange. Like I said, we had sixty crew here. Um, a ridiculous amount of equipment. You wouldn't believe. I mean, the pub. You know the pub as well as I do. It's not a small pub, but it's not, it's not a huge pub. It's not a small pub. There's, you know, it's, it's quite large inside. So, and every inch of it was taken by cases and TVs and wires and etc. and things. And the amount of work that they put into making it look um, more like a set was phenomenal. No, literally, no detail was left unturned. No expense was unspared. I mean, they were they were going out and getting all sorts of all sorts of expenses. And I, I was sort of saying to people, "Crikey! I mean, they're, they're spending money left, right, and centre." Just to maybe like adjust a bulb into a different position or change uh, the, the the settings ever so slightly. So yeah, it was it was I really like I said, really really enjoyed it just because I've never ever seen anything like that before, and that was only for a commercial. But yeah, it did become by the end of it. I'll be honest, by sort of eight nine o'clock, I was I was having a little chat with Sean Harvey. Popped in with Rob when Rob called in, and I said, "Are you go- are you doing, Sean?" And he said, "I'm absolutely shattered." He said that he was same as me. He was knackered because uh, you know because he's a nice guy and he's been pulling. Pulse and pulse of post. So, and he just sort of looked around and went, "Crikey, it's 
this is a pretty big deal, isn't it? So, yeah, Thursday was uh, Thursday was. I mean, I really enjoyed Wednesday. It was lovely to meet them guys. Thursday was more of a bit of an eye opener. It was weird. It was um, yeah. it was a strange setup and. Uh, I believe in the future. I've not literally, genuinely, no idea when, but I believe in the future they want to come and film again. So, um, so yeah, it was a uh, it, it was it was a strange, strange day all round. A long day, seventeen hours. I mean, these guys put some serious work in, and there was probably. I mean, we had like a like a program the day before, like a, of what was happening and yeah, yeah. who was coming over, and um, there must have been there must have been maybe fifteen, twenty Americans that had flown in. So, yeah, and, and obviously 40 Brits, et cetera, so, or there or thereabouts. So, um, as production crew or extras or actors, uh, the, yeah, so the so the 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 American people were uh, directors and um, film crew, and it was strange because when I was trying to do the little scene that they, had, they asked me to do, it was behind the bar, and they had the bottom end, uh, towards the main toilets in the surface. You know, there's a big long TV uh, table right by the, the TV mm-hmm. in the back wall. And they were all set up and they all had, well, like a main hub, I guess. And they were on link to LA. So you could hear people in LA going, okay, so just get Wayne to come back, turn two inches to the left and do this and do that and stand on one leg and back and all the rest of it. And so they were in they were in cahoots with LA, which I, I just, I kept chuckling to myself. I kept thinking, this is just, they the pub, this is getting a bit, they asked to borrow the pub for a day. This is getting a bit mental now. So, but no, like I say, I did, I did enjoy it. It was something, um, if they ever asked to do it again, I wouldn't say no because yeah, yeah exactly. It's just fun, yeah. You touched on um, Sean Harvey. I'm, I'm, I'm not here to to dig dirt. From the outside looking in, it's pretty clear that he's he's got a very prominent role at the club. Um, obviously, he's coordinating a lot of the press stuff. He, he writes the program notes. What what's your overall thoughts of him? Um, like you said, he he, he said to you, he's knackered. He, he's everywhere he's gone. He's he's been in and around the sort of periphery of Ryan and Rob. What, what's your overall impression of him since he's been at the club? Um, I can only speak uh, as I do with anybody I meet. Um, I can only speak as I find that he's been really, really pleasant with me, really nice, really chatty with the staff. Um, I don't know. I honestly don't. Unless I, why would I? I you know, I, I don't know his role next door. Obviously, it is fairly prominent. Um, but he's been very, very, very courteous towards us. He's very, very polite. He seems very driven. Um I don't really think he does a lot of social media because, you know, obviously sometimes you just get grief. Um, but I don't know. Like I say, I know I'm aware that fans of other clubs are not overly keen on him. Um, but again, I'm not into this dirt on anybody either. And I, I, I can only speak as I find him. Like I say, he's always stopped. I see quite a bit of him. He comes to, to the food van quite a bit for some food. And I, so I see a fair bit of him, um, as does Humphrey. And they're both very, very chatty Um Fleur, I've met. She's very nice, very chatty. Again, I don't know, mm. you know, professionally. People obviously have their opinions, but yeah. um, no. Going back to Sean, he's um, he's always been very courteous to me, very polite. Always asked how things are, if we need anything, to let them know. Um, so as a little business to a big business, it works well, and he, he's always been nice to me. How does it feel to be on first name terms with Hollywood A-lister who name checked? <laughs> In the, in, in the main press conference. I had a great night with Wayne Jones last night. I was laughing. It was so good. Yeah, do you know what? Um, somebody sent me, my phone went off the, because that was on the Thursday when they did that. Um, and we were, I said, we, they were filming. Um, and my phone went ping, 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 ping. And I what's going on here now? And I, don't know, I looked up and I had 17 either texts or messenger inboxes, all with the links in, get out of it. You've just been name dropped by Ryan Reynolds and the Mold Road stand. So, um, and my phone was dying. I didn't have my phone charger. So I was frantically trying to tell my wife to bring me mobile phone charger, but I couldn't, she couldn't get into the frigging car back. So eventually one of the, um, one of the, one of the crew said, oh, I got a phone charger you can lend. Uh, and then I seen it and just thought, oh, come on, I mean, it's getting stupid now. Um, it's getting a bit daft, but yeah, I mean, you know, people say like, oh, you know, what's it like to be name dropped? And what's the, what's the listen? What's the, listen, I, I'll be quite happy to clean the pub today. And go and play a pool for the turf against the Welsh Fusiliers tonight, and just have a bit of normality. I'll be honest. Yeah, I, I imagine it's been a bit of a whirlwind thing. Uh, you know, when it, when it comes around to Harrogate, when we lose next Saturday in the cup, it'll all be <laughs> like a distant dream, won't it? Yeah, um, do you know what? I see. I see the difference, Tim. Just quickly, I see the difference on people's attitude from um, 
probably 12 o'clock yesterday or 11 o'clock it was packed yesterday absolutely as you can imagine as everywhere was I imagine yeah. um, absolutely mental busy and I seen the attitude change from 11 o'clock yesterday morning to 6 o'clock last night after one poor yeah. performance yeah. let's be fair yeah. um, and poor results so um, that's literally how fickle the, the football world can be isn't it so um, you can have all the glitz and all the glamour and all the money in the world but if I've said to a few people this week if you don't go and perform on the pitch and don't start winning games that will fade um, and, uh, you know, people's attitudes will change. But what what I keep saying to people is in years gone by, we haven't had a lot to cling to. You know, we haven't had a lot of money and we've had volunteers that have done their best, but we've never, I've always gone, you know, I don't really see a way out here uh, for the club. But at least now, may take time, may take several managers, who knows, I don't know, might take several personnel changes at the club. But at least now we have, with these guys, at least now we have hope, don't we? So... Yeah, exactly. And what what does the future hold for for the turf? Because you know, after lockdown, you know, most most industries industries were on their knees. The pub trade was was on its ass essentially, and it it looked at you know precarious position for everybody. But you've obviously you've got a very 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 loyal customer base, haven't you? Uh, very very loyal. And I think you always you always point to that on on the social media. Given what's going on, given the fact that you, the turf, the town, the club is going to get this massive moment in the spotlight globally as part of their plan to make us a global force, you know, quote, unquote. Mm. I mean, what's the next step? Is is this, is the fan zone thing going to become a permanent thing? Is it going to form part of a new cop end? Is it too early to say? Yeah, I mean, well, listen, obviously the, the, the turf and the football club are completely two different businesses. So obviously the turf land... Goes all the way down. In the sense, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, but yeah, obviously we're all in the same area. So the fan zone is a huge expense to the brewery and to myself. So, um, and I mean, a huge, huge expense. It's obviously going to be a permanent thing, but it's yet to be signed off because it's well in excess of a quarter of a million pound, which is a lot of money for, yeah. for a brewery to... Um, to spend and then obviously a percentage of that I've got to find which I'm happy to do but so we have capex meetings with the brewery which I think we've got hopefully we've got Monday um, and then if that can get signed off that will go through quite quick it'll be a permanent thing it's going to be beautiful I've seen the sketch works too it'll be smart um, but that's um, certainly won't be incorporated into the cop um, obviously the cop will be its own land etc but will be ebbed into the corner depending on what sort of structure they go for um, but we, we, we're, we're doing that purely because yesterday, again, in the rain, there was 200 people queuing up to get in. We can't get them in and I'd love to get them in, but we can't get them in because we have yeah. capacity measures. So, uh, and I want to be as loyal to them as they are to me and the turf, but we physically just can't do it. So we need to get that, um, we need to get that built and, and fairly quickly if we can. Um, but regarding me and the turf, listen, it's just life goes on. You know, I'm into my 14th year now. I never would have thought I'd have been here this long when we took it on in 2008. The very same week, I might add, that the smoking ban come in, which is, no. was, yeah, it was a real challenge for pubs back then, as you can remember. So now it's second nature. People go, no, not to smoke in pubs and people got their heads around it. But, you know, them first two or three years were a real challenge. You know, we were just treading water. Um, and I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be very truthful. What saved me, which is, why I still support him to this day, plus I love the sport, is the Crusaders, you know, the Crusaders rolled into town and just took our business to another level for two, three seasons. Uh, and then we've been fortunate enough to really, really grow. Um, and everybody's very, um, uh, very nice and very happy and very, you know, um, appreciative of their customers. But like I said earlier, the, the, the amount of people that think that we don't open when it's a non-match day, it, it still, still baffles me. You know, our, our match day trade is less than 10%. Okay. That, that's, how, that's how much it equates to. So 90% of our take is regulars, pool teams, students, um, locals, um, Premier Inn, train station, that kind of thing. So we've, whereas before when we took over, it was probably 30% was match day. Um, I sort of looked at it and thought, hold on a second, as nice as it is to get the football fans in, we need to be reliant on everyday trade. We can't just be reliant on once a fortnight. So... So we've built it and built it and built it for 13 years. Um, so the answer to your question is I don't touch wood. I, you know, I, I, for the very immediate future, don't see myself going anywhere. Um, uh, it's my dream job. I'll be honest. I get to speak about Wrexham on a daily basis. Um, granted, it's not so good when they're not doing so well, which is majority of the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I mean we I mean we actually had a, we actually had when they weren't very good, we we I banned all talk of Wrexham Football Club for six weeks during the preseason because I just needed a break <laughs> from it. Um so yeah, I don't see myself going anywhere. Um I, I actually I actually jokingly blame myself because we bought the turf the year they got relegated and I actually think that if I sold them tomorrow we'd get promoted. So I, I think it's I think it's my fault. Not looking, it's not looking like it's going to happen this season unless we chuck some money out in January. But well, I don't, I don't know. know. I, do you know what? I just, just very quickly, I had to bore you with it. I, I, I'd be very positive towards Phil Parkinson. I, I've not said anything because I've been negative in the past. I know I have. Um, <laughs> have you? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just because I can't, I couldn't see us going anywhere. But um, you know, I, I've sort of, I've, I've sort of woke up when they took over, and I thought, you know what? Just be positive because eventually we will get there. Yeah. Um, and up until about. 75 minutes on the clock yesterday I kind of thought you know what actually maybe this isn't going to work because um, just touching on the football I mean you could see that goal coming there's a group of 13 of us that go every week and we were all saying the same thing oh god it's coming isn't it you could see it coming even though they weren't great talky we were getting that two or three yards further deeper deeper and I thought here we go it's coming it's coming it's coming so I'm you know I I haven't met Phil Um, I don't know him um, but I for the first time yesterday, I thought I can kind of see where the gripes are coming from. Yeah. You know, I can kind of understand a bit, but I, I don't know. I firmly believe he deserves the January transfer window, I'll be honest. Yeah, well, hopefully he'll get to that point. I can't see him pulling the trigger early. That that would be counterproductive, I think, given everything. That would be a laughing stop, wouldn't it, let's be fair. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, you don't want to become that scattergun approach with, with the Hollywood owners. I'll let you go in a minute, mate. Um, yeah, you're final, okay, so final real question is, looking back when, when all the dust is finally settled, um, with with the visit and your involvement, is there any particular memory you've got of Ryan and Rob that sticks with you? Is there a particular is there a particular something that they said that you thought you know what that sticks with me, or is there is there something particular that they did within the pub? Anything anything other than what we've mentioned? Is there anything where you thought you know what that that meant a lot to me that or or that is stuck in my mind? And I'll remind them of that when they next come back. Is there anything in particular that that, that sticks out for you? No, just, literally just the just just the point that when they said, you know, when I asked them if they were obviously happy to be here and they realised what they'd taken on, they both just stared at each other and said, "We're winners. That's exactly why we're here. We're here to win. And if we win, Rex and win. And if Rex and win, I win. The town wins. Everybody in the community wins. The region wins. So that just the fact that they, that, you know, they sort of glanced at each other and just said, "We're here to win. We're not here to." I get this impression that certain people think that Rob is the drive and that Rob has been dragged, uh, sorry, Ryan's been dragged along. Um, and I sort of sort of thought that myself. I sort of thought, yeah. is Rob the driving force? Because it was his original idea. Yeah. Um, and he's certainly driven, don't get me wrong, but but they're equally driven. I think they're both winners. They've obviously clearly sat down and spoke in detail about what's expected and before they've gone into it. They haven't just gone into it. You know, they haven't just whacked a couple of million in and gone, Let's go and have a go at this. They've obviously spoken and they've they're on the same page, shall we say? So they both they both they both winners. And the fact that when I asked them, they both looked at each other and said, well, "We're here to win." And until we're not going anywhere until we've achieved what we want to achieve, which I think they've now said is the Premier League or the Premier League. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so no no. I mean, they were very nice to my wife and son, which was from a personal point of view was very nice. Um, and that'll stick with me personally. But from a footballing point of view, just the fact that they're here to win and. Uh, that's all those Wrexham fans want, and it finally is a bit of um, bit of time in the sun, shall we say? It'd be nice, wouldn't it? Bit nice. the just, yeah, when the just. So we've heard about our chairman's Wednesday night. On Thursday, they held a fans forum. Unfortunately, none of us got access, but my. Uh, friend Adam who lives in Gresford and who isn't a Wrexham fan but signed up to become a member did get picked uh, after I stopped swearing at him I was very pleased for him and I was looking forward to hearing all about it but here's what he sent me on his way home that was class mate um, definitely didn't vet the people before they went in mate. I think one lad stood up right at the start and uh, which set the tone for the questions and he said oh uh, just wondered if uh, the two of you could uh, give a shout out to some sort of some pub somewhere, and everybody was looking around like, "Oh, you know, it's not just going to be questions like this." Like, and in fairness, mate, Ryan Reynolds shut him down straight away. He said, oh, "I don't think that's appropriate." I was dead serious about it. 
but from there then it was um no it was really good they talked about like the history of the club and they seemed like they they actually done loads of research and that that rob though seems uh like he made a couple of jokes about watching the game um watching Wrexham games when they concede goals and that and he's thinking to himself where's where's the money gone where's the money been spent so i don't know whether or not he's just growing a little bit tired of the fact that they're obviously not top of the league and running away with it but um i don't think they've got probably got the best manager in the league and the best squad um but yeah he seemed like he was a bit fiery that that rob um and that that the, that humphrey bloke the english bloke who's like their advisor or whatever seemed like he was kind of keeping him in check a little bit but they they both genuinely seem like they absolutely loved the club already, which I wasn't expecting. Um, they were in the turf pub last night, apparently, and uh, they got hammered. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, what he said about Rob uh, with uh, with wondering where his money's gone. Ooh. <laughs> Astute observations there, then. Yeah, and obviously, you know, some of that stuff we already know, but uh, interesting observations from someone who's perhaps not uh, in the bubble. We'll have to you get used to that, guys. Uh, Wrexham's hot property at the moment. Uh, but there we go. Um, after the game on Saturday... Uh, oh, actually, I should mention, Adam also very kindly asked if uh, Ryan and Rob listened to the Wrexham-rated podcast, and from that we discovered that you guys aren't alone in listening to Fearless and Devotion and Rob Ryan Red by Nathan and Rich. Uh, I think Rob listens to them. So that was lovely to hear. He probably switches them off after a minute, but you know, it counts towards the listening figures. So it's fine, isn't it? <laughs> he thinks that uh, Jason Mohammed presents it, and that's the only reason he listens, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that chestnut hasn't been busted out for a while. I like that <laughs> casually dropped that in. Love it. <laughs> Right, moving on anyway, very quickly. This is the last of our interviews before we uh, descend to the 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 on-the-pitch matters. After the game on Saturday, we were all feeling a bit flat, but Andy and I were very much cheered up. We were due to meet Maxine, friend of the podcast, of course, to interview her about her time with Ryan and Rob this week. She was in the director's box with them. uh, And as we were waiting outside the stadium for an American man came out and asked us to come in. So we went and conducted this interview pitch side with Maxine. Maxine, uh, Shumai, yeah, Simai. <laughs> yeah. uh, thanks again for speaking to us. Um, what's it been like this week? It's uh, we didn't even know you you were coming over this week. Uh, well, yeah, I mean it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Um, uh, I arrived from the US and uh, came straight into it, a bit jet lagged. So this is my first time back in Wales for two years because of COVID, and uh, I spent my first night back in Wales in Wrexham, which is. An amazing experience, you know, after everything this year, just to come back and to be in Wrexham has been unbelievable, really. Um, The first night when I got here, I literally came off the flight, got to Wrexham, and I came straight out here and stood in front of all the fans with Rob and Ryan to answer some questions, uh, which was unbelievable, you know. They've been so supportive, everyone's been so supportive, so it was just a great welcome home. Been a bit of an underwhelming week on the pitch, but <laughs> off the pitch, obviously, and in the town, it's been fantastic. How have Rob and Ryan taken it? You know, what was their reaction going around the town? I mean, look, the whole town is obviously um, taking part. You know, you go into a shop to get something to eat and there's a cocktail named after Deadpool. <laughs> um, you know, you see, like, something in the window with a picture of their faces. So, um, you know, you just get a sense that everybody's taking part in this, which is, you know, is, is great. And I think they really feel that. Um, they just keep saying how wonderful it is to be here, how much they love it, how much they love Wales, how much they love Wrexham, um, you know, and hope this is, hopefully this is a, a first of many trips. Now, you were up there with Rob and Ryan today. How were they? Were they nervous? Did they, what was their reaction <laughs> to the match? I mean, of course they're going to be nervous. It's the first uh, home game um, and there's a lot of pressure. Um, but, you know, it was great. I think they really enjoyed it. I think, you know, obviously it would have been great if they'd have, have won. But, um, you know, it's still a good result and the, the guys were great out there and I think they're really proud of them. And you, you can tell that they're really invested, aren't they, uh, Rob and Ryan? Are they sort of kicking every kick with the players? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, every twist and turn, you know, um, yeah, um, they both, uh, yeah, had their hearts in their hands most of the time, I think. Um, you can definitely see that. I can see that, you know, they're they're really invested in the game. Um, they're real 
football fans you know which is great to see and um, yeah I, I think you know it wasn't just today every single game when Wrexham play even if they're in the US you know they're following it you know they're texting each other they're texting people back here in Wrexham so it's, it's incredible any swear words up there in that last five minutes today <laughs> no swear words but Rob was singing in Welsh was he oh, wow. yeah what, what is Welsh like I know we did the uh, club IPG quite well didn't he but are you being given some tips we had a we had a little uh, yeah we had a, a little chat before he we went out there. If you notice his first words out on the pitch today to the fans were Croyside Wrexham. Right. So uh, you know he's a bit, a bit of, he, yeah, coaching now. <laughs> yeah. A little bit here and there, but you know he, he, he's doing really well with his Welsh. I'm really proud of him. Um, you know he wanted to go out there and he wanted his first words to be in Welsh, and that's unbelievable. You know for somebody from from the US who's you know out in Hollywood to come here and come out on this pitch and speak in Welsh I mean what that does for the Welsh language is you know it's you, you can't even measure it really Has, how's your life changed since <laughs> since the other because I know it was a bit of a whirlwind wasn't it uh yeah I mean look uh, football's not huge in the US so obviously I, I'm in the US most of the time um but what's been amazing is that I've had people coming up to me and asking if I have ever heard of Wrexham they don't even know where Wales is but they've heard of Wrexham in America I mean <laughs> yeah you couldn't write that right so um, yeah it's been great it's obviously a very different project for me but um, you know it's something that's very close to my heart now I think we got to go is that right yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you very much thanks we appreciate right. that now Andy what happened straight after the interview when we just when I pressed stop on the on the record button well I was going to ask Maxine if she could give either Ryan or Rob some of our fanzines and I was just in the process of this when a burly security guard asked me to move out of the way and then as I was moving out of the way, Rob, Rob McElhenney comes right past us. So I quickly delved into a placky bag, got issue two, put it into his hand and said, hang on there, Rob. Went back, got issue one, put that in his hand as well. He smiled. He looked at them. He didn't throw them straight away. So, you know, I'm, no, he, I'm absolutely he said, pleased. He said, thank you. And then he gave him a quick kiss on the lips and, off, and he was off. He was really nice. Smooth. No, he did say thank you. And then I said, thank you very much. No problem, Rob. Thanks. And, uh, you know, we locked eyes for about 0.2 seconds. And it was, it was really. It's all you need. It's all you need, Reese. You smooth, smooth (laughs) dressing gown wearing Hugh Hefner Lothario. Apparently I'm in a dressing gown. I can either confirm or deny. Um, like this is a podcast, so it's it's all irrelevant. Anyway, yeah, it was great that we got the fan scenes to him. Uh, you know, either way, they can sort of decorate his house, even if he doesn't read them. But hopefully he does, and you should too, by the way. Um, anyway, that's been lots of fun. How about we talk about the match on Saturday? I thought we'd do it differently. Let's do positives first. So positives only about the on the pitch. Tim. Go on, Andy, you got your hand up. You go first. Um, the long throw's working. Finally, finally, the long throw's working. It's a weapon now. Okay, yeah, a few times it went into straight into the keeper's arms, but we scored from it. Could have scored another one from it. I do think they're finally working out the toes of long throw. Tim, give me another positive. Bryce Hosanna. I like him. I think he's growing in confidence with every game. He's direct. He still needs to back himself a bit more ability-wise, but you know he's still coming back from quite a lengthy layoff. I just think, given the chance and given a sustained run in the team, he could become a proper, proper good attacking outlet for us. Liam, positive. Harry Lennon still looks like our best defender. Thought he probably just about deserved the Man of the Match award. Only other person I would have given it to is Jordan Ponticelli. Really held the line, really made things work for us for the majority of the game before he came off. Yeah, totally agree. Lennon was quality, wasn't he? Um, he was going to be my positive as well. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I've got to think of a positive now. Uh, <laughs> I'm a bit lost beyond those three, to be honest. The return of Rob Lainton. The return of Rob Lainton, yes, he played well. Uh, okay, my positive would be, it's not just from Saturday, because we haven't discussed Tuesday yet. Andy and I were at Maidenhead. Um, the fight they showed on Tuesday was fantastic. It was genuinely brilliant to see and I think perhaps maybe some concerns that some of us may have had uh you know with some of the with the players we were assembling didn't know much about them but you know perhaps in a bit older getting a big paycheck was that they were just coming here for the money uh that from my experience it doesn't seem to be the case I think that whatever you're accusing them of whatever's going wrong quote unquote it's not lack of effort and it's not lack of industry uh so that's a positive for me 
Right, now that that's done, Andy, what do you think of the match? Should we do like a negative each? Like so rather than like completely... Go on, Andy. Yeah, okay. You go first, Andy. Negative. I mean, the negative's the same negative I've had all season. It's just we don't have a midfield. We don't have anything that can really knit a game together. We've still got our centre-halves getting the ball and 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 going long. And, after, and absolutely, that was fine with Ponticelli because he was chasing things down and he was holding it. I actually thought when Angus came on, we might have a problem here because Angus is very useful, but he's not a hold-up player. He's not a centre-forward. I'd say he's more of a wide front man. And so, you know, they were doing long balls and it was coming straight back at us and Torquay built and built and... I still think we're missing two midfielders. Um, I mean, I mentioned James Jones earlier. I, I, he, you know, he was, again, he was trying. He was putting himself about. And I think if you had someone there who could take the ball off the defence, who could give it to James Jones to get forward, I think you'd have a better little unit there. But at the moment, it is just like herding cats. The defenders have got it and the midfielders are just running. They're running. They're not, they're like, they're like scolding cats and they're, there's there's no sort of knitting together there. Tim? Ooh, I'm going to go with um, our distinct lack of decent songs in our repertoire from the stands. Some of the songs are absolutely dog shit, and that's pouring mm. it mildly. I had a conversation with a very close friend of Dearly Departed, Jacko. It's never been the same since without him. Um, maybe a lot of the younger fans don't particularly know the older songs and they've not transmitted through. Um, and maybe some of the newer songs don't really grip the older generation. So there's there's a happy medium to be struck somewhere. Um, it's some, it's, I've got tentative plans to look into that. So watch this space. I'll, I'll reveal all as and when I need to, if need be. But yeah, short answer is shite songs. Tim, can I just come in on this just before we, we go to Liam? I've, do you think that this... The, the song issue is something to do with the fact that a lot of our younger fans are just doing variations on Premier League songs. It's a cultural thing, isn't it? Because with, and I, I don't want to dumb down those fans. I don't want to sound like I'm being a bit too tetchy about it. But, you know, a lot of songs, in order for them to take off, have to be fairly catchy, fairly straightforward. Um, we, we, you know, they don't want several choruses of a song. It's just not, it's not going to grab them. They've got to be fairly simple and straightforward. So you're probably right about, about them coming down from from different clubs. But I think Wrexham, especially with Jack and stuff, we always had a, a unique selection of songs. A lot of clubs do have a unique selection of songs, but then they have a, a unique um, faction of fans that, that get afforded certain areas of the ground to concentrate on songs and to do TIFOs and so on and so forth which is probably just let the cat out of the bag of what I was planning, really. But yeah, um, we'll see where it leads. Liam, negative. Uh, I've gone for this one a couple of times, but um, for considering how high profile the signing of Aaron Hayden was, it's just how much he gets drawn out of position. I don't know if it's the system. I'm not sure what it is. The amount of times he comes pairing out towards his wing back and just drawn away from out of position does concern me a bit. Other than that, it's just the general lack of, I don't know if it's lack of intelligence or it's what they're being told to do, but when you're playing long diagonal balls to a player like Bryce Hosanna, who's not the tallest, and saying, go on, go and get that, he's, he's never going to do it. But um, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably instructions from the manager more than anything. Yeah, I lost count of how many 40, 50 yards diagonal balls to Hosanna there were even just in the first half, the bloke's what, five foot seven, five foot eight? He, he and, just looked exasperated. And, and I, I don't think he won a single one. And you can't yeah. blame him for that. No. But it seemed a remarkable tactic. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning Maidenhead again because when my, uh, my uh, fiance came with me to Maidenhead, it was her first ever Wrexham game and she loved it. Uh, and after Saturday's game, she texted me and said, oh, at least they didn't lose. Like they had a Maidenhead. And I said, I felt better after Maidenhead than I did after the Torquay game. I said, we shot in the second half. We didn't just show fight. They played some lovely, we, we played Maidenhead off the park in the second half of that game with 10 men. And I don't think we hit a single long ball. It was just, we, they obviously decided we've got to win this game and we've got more quality than them. So let's go for it. Uh, Torquay, did, did we try to play it out from the back once? I don't think, I, I honestly don't think that we did. There didn't seem to be any kind of attempt to do it. Should I suppose my next question then is to whoever wants to pick it up is 
I listened to the post-match interview with Parkinson and, you know, he said things like, we deserve to win, we were in control. Do we agree with that? I'm, I, were we no. in control and did we deserve to win that game? If, if, the, if a football game is played over 45 minutes, then we definitely deserve to win on a first-half performance. But Wrexham haven't had a decent 90-minute perform, 90 performance all season. We haven't had a complete performance and we got, we kind of almost knew what was going to happen. It's like, are we really going to be that team that's trying to grab onto a 1-0 win at home in front of a full house and our owners instead of really going for it? We give it a good crack first half and then we just gradually sat further and further back. And then you just, you could feel it. You could feel it that everybody, there's a sense of inevitability that something was going to happen. And lo and behold, you kind of gift talk your goal. I thought as I, I I thought we were we would struggle because we scored so early. Um, I, I you know Wrexham quite good on the front foot if they're going for that goal, and you know they do play some good stuff in search of that that first goal. But we got it so early, and I could just see us, I could just see us sitting on that. And in the end, we did, especially in the second half. Is that a mental barrier though? Because how can you how can you go one nil up in the fourth minute and go right when you? We can't. We, we got. They should have the mindset. We've got to capitalize on this. They're, they're shaking up. We've got them on the rack. Fourth minute. Let's crack on. Let's put two or three past them and go three three nil up at the break. Why can't Why can't we do that? I think every time you score, you do need a period of you know a period of sort of just hanging on to that and making sure you're not going hell for leather. You know, making sure you're not letting them in back straight back in. So you know, I do sort of feel you know you go up. You, you go one up and then you have like a couple of minutes where you, you really sort of just try and take control of things. But I just think that goes on for too long. Um, and, you know, I don't know whether it's voices on the pitch or voices off the pitch, but you really need to ramp it up after, after that and get the second goal. Key to it is, as Andy said before, I don't think we need one midfielder in January. I think we need two. You look at all the different players we've played in midfield this season and, how many have actually well and truly impressed? It's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Do we arguably need a striker in January as well? Because if Hyde and Mullin are out at the same time again, is that something we want to risk going into the end of the season? I think if you bring someone else in, you have to let someone go because you can't have five strikers going for, for one or oh, two yeah, spots. Yeah. You loan one of them out, yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, it's... It's awkward, isn't it? It's, but I agree with what Liam said. I, I, I think that midfield is is um, it's needing more than one new face. As much as we all lauded, you know, issue two cover star Jordan Davis as as the be all string puller savior, he hasn't really ticked on from from where he finished last season, really. And I don't know whether that's because he's playing a slightly different role. Um, I don't know. I, I just I just just feel he's. He's kind of just about fortunate to be keeping his place as well at the moment, but that's purely through lack of available options. Just one thing on 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 Davis, I would say he was great on on Tuesday he when we said, yeah, mm. when they were playing football. So when right. they were when they were keeping it on the deck, when they were you know working little patterns, he was great. Great goal as well. Great goal, Ben. Yeah. Yes, it was. It was a great goal. One thing I thought was interesting was. The gents behind me said something that I'd been thinking. My dad said exactly the same thing, which was nothing that I've seen since the first half or the first hour of the Notts County game has come close to that in in performance-wise this season so far. So that's my fifth game, I think. Uh, And that sort of first half, even though we went in 1-0 down, was the best, the most sort of, We'd, I felt that we'd pushed and tried to dominate at home and played really well. Nothing I've seen has come really close to that since. Is that a concern? Are we not? It's not like we're progressing so much. How much time has there been on the training pitch now? You know, there was remember that there was that time, that spell where we didn't have a game. That was more time they had on the training pitch. It's a good training pitch. It's a good coaching team. I think that is a bit of a worry that they're not really they're not really implementing a style of play. Um, it could go back to the fact that they don't have the right the right players and the fact that we can't go and sign anyone who's really hampering us. But yeah, it is a worry. 
because yeah, they were brilliant for that first half against Notts County, and I would quite happily, you know, draw one each or something like that if we were playing like that and then got caught out unluckily. But at the moment, we're not we're not doing that. We're we're sort of we're sort of limping to results. Is is the Harrogate game? Do you feel is, is the Harrogate game a bit of a free hit for Parkinson now? Because it feels like a free hit to me. Um, yeah, just go go up there and try and play some football. There's no risk, you know. Go, there's no, nothing to lose up at Harrogate. Is then try and get a draw, so then we can get a replay, and that's Mullins' third match, and we can have him back for whenever the older shot match gets rearranged for. Yeah, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? But yeah, I think we can all agree that we need Mullin back ASAP. He looked like he was enjoying his uh, spack for the second half, didn't he? Hmm. Up in the aviation gin suite. So is the I answer mean, if you if you, so, if you elbow someone blatantly? Yeah, I was about to say play, you get to go yeah. sit with the owners and uh, sorry the chairman and not get Doctor Week's wages. Who said no, crime, no, was gonna crime doesn't pay? Eh. <laughs> I, I was going to ask if that if if that did sort of did sort of strike anyone because you know I know he's a star player. I know he's the player on probably the most money, but there was a lot of other people who weren't in in that squad and they weren't in the squad because, you know, they hadn't, it's, it's because it's not because they elbowed someone in the face, if you know what I mean. Did you think that was? Yeah, but it, no, because I, I think it will form part of the documentary. Mullin will, will be another character in that plot line. You know, but I think Ryan Reynolds said that he kind of fan fanboys over Paul Mullin, blah, blah, blah. So that will form part of that narrative. And I'm pretty sure he would have cleared it. I'm pretty sure he would have said Parkinson, Phil Parkinson would have said, yeah, that's fine. It's not detracting from the rest of the lads. The rest of the lads are either going to be in and around the squad, fit and available. I'm sure they're not going to have any issue with Paul Mullin doing a you know, a bit of a sort of celebrity sandwich up in the, in the aviation gin suite. I'm sure it was fairly innocent. And I'd be amazed if anybody thought, oh, he's, he's pulled rank because he's a, a high earner. I think Danny DeVito was up there as well, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, the Irish lookalike Danny DeVito. He, he, is, he is the Irish lookalike. Um, maybe we'll, maybe we'll see in the documentary. Robin Ryan invited him up there, handed him a little aviation gin, and said, "Oh, by the way, we've docked you two weeks' wages." Yeah, there you go. Right, uh, just before we go, I do feel like we should address this. Um, uh, I'll read out what uh, was put on the website seven hours ago by Colin Henry's Wrexham AFC regret to say we are aware of reports of unacceptable incidents and behaviour at our match against Torquay directed towards opposition supporters by a very small minority of attendees. We are reviewing footage and working with North Wales Police to identify those responsible. You are not welcome at our football club and the safety of all people attending games is of paramount importance. Um, not good. It, I don't like to see it at all, to be honest. It's it's one of those things, you know, you have to get it out of the way there and say it's a minority of fans, but it's a sort of continuously present minority of fans. You see it on the occasional away day. They had the issues at Stockport. And on Saturday, I could see, I couldn't really tell what was going on. I could see a very excitable Torquay fan who I thought initially, you know, is that what's causing the trouble? But I could see there was bottles raining down on them. And I just don't think there's no place for it basically there's a lot of people making excuses oh they did this they did that it's like it doesn't matter what they did at the end of the day if you're going to chuck objects it could hit literally anyone so yeah a bit disappointing to be honest yeah I think there'll be um, there'll be some uh, some early teens getting a, an early knock probably if they get the if, if, if they're identified you know that minority is going to be a larger minority now. Just the fact we've got we've got more, you know, law-abiding fans in the ground that have come to watch. And there's going to be a minority that, you know, want to uh, want to have a bit of a tear with with opposition fans for whatever reason. It's you know, it's I, I could I could this this could have an entire part of its own to be honest. But you know, yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you know, we, really that asked about wanting to beat the shit out of an opposition fan then. You know, if you really want it that bad, have you straightener somewhere away from the ground where you're not going to piss off other members of the public and and essentially um, blight what, what was a pretty special day yesterday? But you know, everybody's going to have their own their own viewpoint on it, and it's, it's one that's going to run and run. But you know, let the let the the relevant authorities handle it and, and see what the uh, what the outcome is further down the track. Quickly, Gilpin, what do you think? You were a hooligan in your youth, weren't you? No, I wasn't. I was. I... <laughs> Had a very long paper round. Oh, um, okay, fair enough. 
Uh, he was the Penakai bastard, known locally. Um, look, I, I didn't see it. I, I don't know what happened. There was calls that Torquay was shouting something uh, at Wrexham fans and Wrexham fans reacted. I don't know. I don't like to see anyone get hit by coins or bottles. And I just, I, as everyone said, there's no place for it. The Arsene Wenger uh, approach that one was, didn't see it. Splinters <laughs> <laughs> in the ass. I saw, I saw one. I saw one steward um, take one lad out, and as he was as he was getting pulled out, um, the the aforementioned suspect's friend kicked out of the steward. So it's just like fucking really. The stewards are probably probably supporters as well, unless they've been outsourced from an external external company from out of town. But yeah, it's it's crap, and you know, it's not the sort. We don't want to see the club having to make statements like that week in week out. That's for sure. Yeah, let's hope not. Um, okay, last predictions. Two, yeah, two more games. Sons Mullin, uh, Andy. Go on then. Let's do predictions. Uh, well, quite easy for Maidenhead because we all went for a win. They did not win, um, and most of us went for a win against Torquay, but one person didn't. Reese Williams went for a one-all draw. <laughs> I forgot oh. that. You just made my evening. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, at least you get something out of it, eh? Absolutely. Okay. What's, the, what's, the, what's the leaderboard say? Oh, don't know. Andy looks. Up. He looks too tired to give us the leaderboard. It's not been updated on Monday. I'm driven back from Wrexham today. Come on. Okay. Right. Okay. Let's just do the next one. Is it just one? It's Harrogate, isn't it? Okay. Uh, Liam, do you want to go first? Okay. Uh, things are on a bit of a downer at the moment, but I think like. People have said it's it's a free hit for us, basically, isn't it? It's the FA Cup. It's something we've got a storied history in. I'm not going to go for us to win it, but I'll go for one all, one all draw. Okay. Um, I'm going to go for a 2-1 defeat. There you go. Uh, Tim, do you want to go next? Yeah, I think we'll lose 2-0. Mark Beck will score twice. And Simon Ainge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Beck and Ainge at the double. Yeah, 2-0. I, I, I don't know. I, I just think he's going to mix it up um, and it's, it's a free hit. I'd love us to get through. It'd be cracking to have a, to have a decent cup run for the first time in forever, but oh, I don't know. I just think um, I just think we'll lose. I'm going to be the only one who predicts a win. Uh, we're going to sneak a 2-1. Alright. Come on, the boys. Uh, you might have lost it this time. <laughs> right. Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed you can email us, as you know, and you can tweet us. You all know it by now, hopefully. Um, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Ta-da. See ya. Ta-ra.